0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the first reading, as well as in the Gospel, it deals with people who are suffering from leprosy, people who are ostracized or excluded from the community. Now, the first reading is very much different from the Gospel in all of its meaning, Now, if you are living in the ancient world, during the time of Christ and even before, the one thing that you feared the most is leprosy. This disease was something our world dealt with for hundreds and hundreds of years. If you look in the first reading from Leviticus, it teaches the Jews how to treat people who have leprosy. Well, the book of Leviticus was written in the 5th century B.C. And yet, for hundreds and hundreds of years later, People or the world has dealt with leprosy, even up to the 19th century, where we hear the story of Father Damien, who was sent to minister to the leper colony on the island of Molokai in Hawaii. In our day and age in the 21st century, leprosy is something that we found a cure. But it wasn't so for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now we know that leprosy is much more than just a disease of the skin. It leads to further complications, respiratory failure, and cardiovascular implications resulting in death. And worse yet, there was no cure for it. Now, if you go into the first reading from the book of Leviticus, and this is the Torah, the law, it addresses how the Jewish people are to deal with leprosy and people who contract this disease. And see how severe the prohibition is. It says, The one who bears the sore of leprosy shall keep his garments rent and his head bare, and shall muffle his beard. He shall cry out, Unclean, unclean. As long as the sore is on him, he shall declare himself unclean, since in fact he is unclean. He shall dwell apart, making his abode outside the camp. Well, the Jewish law tells the people of Israel if someone comes down with leprosy, They are to be immediately ostracized from the society, kicked out of the community. Now, appreciate the greatness of this, the context in which this is all set in. Right now, in the 21st century, in our country, in the United States, we have social safety nets, such that if you lose your job unexpectedly, you can collect unemployment insurance and welfare. You can get food stamps. You can go to food pantries. For some reason, you have a catastrophic illness. You can fall back on Medicaid or Medicare. But in the ancient world, there was no social safety nets. You were on your own. And so if you contracted leprosy, you couldn't go into the village marketplace and buy food. You couldn't go to the well and get water. More so, you couldn't worship God. You could not go into the synagogues. Worse yet, There was no social interaction with your friends or even your family. You could not visit or talk with your family to keep up on the life of your family. This was likened to a slow death. Yes, with leprosy comes a physical suffering, but just as painful, there's associated a social and an emotional suffering. Now, with that in mind, that's a great segue into the gospel. Jesus confronts a leper. Now, this is so amazing. He actually goes up to the leper. Again, if you're living in the ancient world and you see a leper coming towards you on the road, you turned around and you ran away from that person. But Jesus does just the opposite. He goes up to the person and he confronts him. And Jesus is going to use this leper as a powerful teaching tool to teach us why he came into this world. Now, Many societies in our world history have defined or identified themselves through exclusivity. Many societies and cultures throughout world history have identified themselves as we know who we are because we are not like them. And that's exactly what the Jewish people are saying to the people who contract this leprosy. But Jesus wants to change that. Jesus is the Son of God. He comes from that Trinitarian community of love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that doesn't define itself on exclusivity or ostracizing people. Jesus' very words and his actions are a reflection of that Trinitarian community of love, a community that is all-inclusive. Jesus' ministry is just that, to go directly to those that are excluded from society, the lepers, the sick, and especially the sinners. Jesus gathers all people back to him, especially those that have been ostracized. That's his ministry and his mission, and that continues with the mission of our church. But also at the same time, Jesus eats with Pharisees. He dines with Sadducees. His mission is, is to draw everyone to God. Exclude no one. To create a community that doesn't define itself by ostracizing or excluding others. Now notice it's interesting what the leper says to Jesus. He doesn't beg for him to be healed. Instead, he says, If you wish, you can make me clean. Well, immediately Jesus heals him. Now notice what Jesus says next, and this is very important. He tells him to go to the priests and to offer right worship to God. The early church fathers saw in this healed man, he represents all of us. When we go to Jesus to be healed, especially of our sinfulness, then we're naturally compelled to offer right worship to God because we are now in a right relationship to God. I think Paul puts it the best in Galatians He said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The very moment of our baptism, we began to participate in a life of Christ. And when Christ is at the center of our life, and he is, then all the other elements in our life fall into place. They all fall into harmony with each other. Our mind, our will, our intellect, our passion, our heart, our soul. All these elements are now grounded or rooted into Jesus Christ. And when that happens, then we find true purpose and meaning in life. And yet, when one of those elements wander away, then yes, we experience a sort of spiritual leprosy. I'll give you some examples. Your mind and your will and your intellect are in community with one another. They are in harmony with each other. And yet, your passion wanders off. It affects now your desire for holiness, because now your passion and the desire is for something else in this world. What must happen? Well, that passion must come back to be healed, just like that leper. And in doing so, then everything falls in harmony with Christ. Or say your will and your passion are in community or in harmony with one another, but your intellect wanders away. What's the effects? Well, it affects the knowledge of your faith and the ability to live it out. What must happen? Well, your intellect must come back to Christ to be healed such that, just like the leper, everything will fall in harmony with Christ, and then we will be healed, and we will always, instinctively, without even thinking, offer right worship to God, just like that leper did. And see, when that happens, Then we do exactly what Paul is getting at in the second reading. Paul says, Whatever you eat and drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Well, that is so true. When we are completely healed, all the elements of our body are in harmony with Jesus at the center of our life, then yes, we are naturally inclined to offer right worship to God. Then everything that we do always gives glory to God. From the grandest plans that we have in our life, even to the simplest and most mundane aspects of our life, like folding the laundry, gives glory to God. Our attention always is on God rather than ourself. Now it's interesting, Paul uses the word glory. In Greek, it's doxa. Well, that's found in the prologue from John's Gospel. Doxa also means light. So, when we give glory to God, it means that we allow God's light to shine in all aspects of our life, such that all of our attention is on the presence of God in our life, rather than our attention on ourselves. And yet, this can be countercultural. Think of it. At a very early age, kids, you know, like to glorify themselves. You know, you hear them from time to time, "Mom, you know, watch me jump into the pool." Mom, watch me ride my bike. Or, Dad, watch me throw the football. Dad, look at the good grades I've been getting. You know, we're inclined to sometimes glorify ourselves. And it doesn't stop there. You know, sometimes in adults, you know, they do the same thing, but they do a better way of masking it. You know, look at the position I hold in the corporation. Look at where I live. Look at where I send my kids for school. People do this in slowly, subtle ways, to shine light upon themselves. That can't be for us as Catholics. Thomas Aquinas once said, The goal for every Catholic to be a saint. A saint is someone in which everything that they do gives glory to God. Their thoughts, their actions, their words always give glory and attention to God. Rather than directing the attention to themselves in whatever they say or do, that's what saints do. And that's what we can do also in our own right, each in our own way, just like the saints did. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Reread all of these three Gospels for this weekend. It's a perfect preparation for Lent. This coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. We begin the great season of Lent. These readings prepare us for just that. We have times in which the elements in our life, our will, our heart, our soul, our mind, our intellect, our passion, they wander off. What must we do? Well, like that leopard, we must go back to Jesus and be healed. And once we are healed, then we naturally are inclined to offer right worship to God. And when we do that, then we truly do give glory to God each and every day of our life, by what we say, what we do, and how we live our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.